The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 178 of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Man, this week we have got a fun show for you. We are sitting down and talking to sci-fi steampunk author Mark C. Harms. Uh, it's a great story how Mark and I connected. Uh, he is also a podcaster. He is the co-host of a show called Beards, Books, and Bourbon. And it's just like it says. He and his co-host, Stephen Mack, uh, they get together for a weekly show where they are discussing what books they've read lately while they sip a little bourbon and they both have beards. <laughs> it's a simple format and it's a lot of fun. Great conversations that they have about the stories. And uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about that in this episode, how that came to be, where how they came up with the idea for it, and so on. We're also discussing our mutual love for the old Dragonlance book series by Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman. Uh along with a slight spoiler, so <laughs> granted these are 35 years old, but still, if you have not read the Dragonlance series, I do give up a spoiler about book two, so if you're interested in reading that, you might skip ahead 30 seconds whenever uh, we get to, whenever we start talking Dragonlance. Um, maybe not when we start talking Dragonlance, but when I tell a story about Dragons of Winter Night, then skip ahead 30 seconds or so. You know, <laughs> um, but if it doesn't bother you to have a little spoiler, then go right ahead and keep on listening. I don't think it's that big of a secret anymore. But uh, along with that, we are also discussing his writing in in uh, how much that what if question appeals to him. You know, uh, Mark discusses reading something scientific and how much it appealed to him. And then the what if this happened with it or what if it turned into this, you know, and how much that has affected his writing over the years. Uh, <laughs> we do have a slight pause. Uh, that's not very noticeable. Honestly, uh, we talk about dogs at one point he's outside for the interview and the neighbor dogs all started to have their own conversation. And I was able to get filter most of that out and take it out anyway, but it, it's a great episode. It's a lot of fun. You're going to really enjoy uh, learning about Mark and his books and his podcast. And I can't recommend the show highly enough. It's, it's a fantastic show, and I really enjoy it. And you all know how much I am sitting here with my cigar and something to something casual to drink, as, as our guest each week will do their reading. Sometimes I have coffee. Sometimes I have water. Sometimes I do have an adult beverage. Uh <laughs> So, therefore, the Mark and Stephen show really speaks to me on that level. That being said, I want to start off by thanking our sponsors, uh, starting with Scrivener. Scrivener Writing Software is my favorite writing software there is. Uh, I have tried other ones. I've used some others with my first book and then dabbled in other software before going to Scrivener, and it just leaves everything in the dust. Scrivener 3 is available right now, so make sure you click that link in the show notes so you can go and find out more and listen to this advertisement to see how you can save 20%. 
Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now, I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software, built by writers for writers. And thank you once again to Scrivener. Love having them as partners with the show. Additionally, I also really enjoy being partners with Audible. Actually, as the guys from Beard Books and Bourbon would tell you, they are also uh, fans of Audible. They do most of the reading that they talk about on the show through Audible, and I do a lot of the reading there myself. Audible has partnered up with our show, offering a free audiobook and 30-day trial. If you just want to click that link in the show notes, it takes you directly to the sign-ups. You can give it a try, and you know, you got nothing to lose. Hey, listen to this advertisement to hear everything you're going to get with that 30-day trial. Hello friends, Jason here, and I wanted to take a moment to tell you about a great offer from Audible. Like you, I'm very busy. I have a full-time job, a family, I'm a thriller author, and I do this weekly podcast. But I also love to read. That's where Audible is a lifesaver for me. Whether I'm mowing the yard, working out, driving back and forth to work, or doing some other menial task, I can still listen to an incredible book through Audible. And now you can get a free 30-day trial by going to audibletrial.com slash sample chapter. By doing that, you'll not only have that 30-day trial, you'll also gain access to guided wellness programs, theatrical performances, A-list comedy, exclusive Audible originals, and even podcasts like the Sample Chapter Podcast. Last year is the first time I ever achieved my own personal reading goals and it was because of some wonderful titles I listened to on Audible. Some of those titles were Ready Player Two by Ernest Cline, narrated by Will Wheaton, the Awaken Online series from Travis Bagwell, narrated by David Stifle, Patient Zero by Jonathan Mayberry, narrated by the incredible Ray Porter, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention previous guest Scott Meyer with his Magic 2.0 series, narrated by Luke Daniels. It's a lot of fun and definitely worth your time. A full disclosure, by signing up at audibletrial.com slash sample chapter, the show does get a little monetization, which goes directly towards any production needs uh, with the show. So you're also helping us out here by signing up. So what are you waiting for? Head on over now to audibletrial.com slash sample chapter and start your free 30-day trial today. All right, so that is Audible again. Click that link in the show notes so you can find out more uh, about everything you have, uh, everything that's available to you from there. Uh, getting over to our friends in podcast land, aside from Beards, Books, and Bourbon, which, you know, they're not a part of our networks, either one of them that I'm with, but I do like the show, so click that link in the show notes for their show. But as far as the podcast networks I'm a part of, I want to start off thanking Pop Goes to Culture Network, home to about a dozen shows. 
uh, all of them pop culture related. So you have the flagship show, Pop Goes the Culture Podcast. You have the backlot by Alamo Draft House, which is really, really cool. And I'm so happy that the movies are back. I think I might go to the movies this coming weekend. Uh, there's also Fellowship of the Geeks, The Two Dads Review, Multiverse Tonight, and a few others. So click that link in the show notes to find out more about the shows that are over there at Pop Goes the Culture Network. I also want to thank another podcast network that I'm a part of a little over a year now. The Project Entertainment Network, uh, home to about 35 different shows. Shows like Necrocasticon, the Bizong uh, Weird Fiction Podcast. There's the Armcast Dead Sexy Podcast, which I've been a part of once. I was on there. Why not? I mean, it's dead sexy. I could maybe pass for that. We'll see. I'll leave that up to you to decide. There's Vicious Whispers. There's the Unsupervised uh, Cosmic Shenanigans. The list goes on and on and on. Like I said, there's about 35 shows in there. Something for everyone. Hey, check out this advertisement of one of those shows. What evil lurks in the heart of Don Mondo? Only Chucky the Buddha, the enforcer of the Mondo Mafia, knows. Join them each week on the Mondo Method Podcast as Chuck tries to get Don Mondo to reveal what is best in life and where he hid the bodies. Oh, they also talk about writing and being professional authors. The Mondo Method Podcast with Armand Rosamelia and Chuck Buddha. Weekly, wherever you find your podcasts. All right, so that is our podcast friends and sponsors. Uh, you can also find all of them on social media just like us, the Sample Chapter Podcast. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, you just look us up as Sample Chapter Podcast, and you can follow us there. If you want to reach out to us, you can uh, do so by email at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com. And I want to let everybody know that uh, if you have been sending emails, I'm really struggling right now trying to catch up. Um, I don't know, a jokester or a computer or something like that recently. Uh, put my our email into a system, and I've had hundreds of junk emails and uh you know signups in the last couple weeks so finding actual emails have been a chore uh but i'm getting that sorted out i'm finally getting all those cleared out of there so hopefully over the coming weeks uh i'll be able to start responding a little bit more and getting in touch with you so again that's sample chapter podcast at gmail.com if you want to reach out to me or if you have and you have not heard back from me yet reach out to me again if you want to leave me a voicemail you can call one six six zero eight five one 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 four six, and uh, of course, if I like that voicemail, I'm going to play it on the show. I actually got one the other day, and I could play it for you, but it simply goes as simple as, "It, it this is what I got." Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that was Beavis or Butthead, but it was it was funny anyway. And I just you know rather than pull it over and play it for you, that's that's what I got. But, uh, yeah, if you have something actually to say, then call that number. Once again, it's 660-851-1146. And uh, just leave me a voicemail. We'll, uh, I'll play that on the next episode. Well, one more notice for you coming up this week. Tee Public, the Sample Chapter Podcast Tee Public Store, is having a sale starting Thursday, May 27th through the 31st. T-shirts will be $13. Coffee mugs will be 11 Tank tops starting at 13 going up to as much as as, as little as 20 and uh, tote bags as high as 17 down to as low as 14 i have a few shirts in both the show and on my books on there 
Um, I have a few of those shirts. I've got a mug and a few other things that I've already picked up. So if you want to pick something up and save a little money while you're at it, click the link in the show notes and I'll have it there. Hey, without further ado, let's get on over to our guest, Mark C. Harms, and hear about his book, Wings of Silver and Blood. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Oh my gosh, I'm, you know, I'm saying it again. I am excited for today's guest because I have the opportunity to uh, have a chat with a fellow podcaster on a show that I've become a big fan of. And what do you know? He's also got a few books under his belt with some more on the way. So, of course, I had to reach out to him. Uh, Today's guest is Mark C. Harms. Uh, Mark is born, was born and raised in Illinois, where he's basically allergic to the entire state. He traveled all around the world, uh, but like a New York crime family, the state keeps pulling him back in. He loves reading stories, telling stories, writing stories, and talking about these stories. He shares that love of storytelling with his wife and children. In addition to writing sci-fi and fantasy, Mark is also the co-host of the Beards, Books, and Bourbon podcast with Dr. Stephen Mack, the show I just mentioned a moment ago. That's the name of it, and it is outstanding. Spoiler alerts, they're going to talk about books on there and tell everything, but it is so much fun, and I'm really enjoying it. Welcome to the show, Mark C. Harms. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm glad I could be here. This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm very excited. It's very. It's a little surreal for me. <laughs> it's different being on the other side isn't it it's different being on the other side it really is. Yeah, i'm i'm used to being in control of the record button you know <laughs> when uh, when my first book came out my daughters insisted to flip the script on me and they interviewed me for my own show uh. and they i was impressed they did a good job they had their own questions they did everything on their own but yeah, I was doing the same thing. I was like, uh, oh, how did I write that? Where did I get this? Um, yeah, okay, the idea came from here. And uh, Oh, man, well, this is what it feels like. This is what I'm putting people through. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Mark, how are you doing? I'm, I'm well. I'm well. I, uh, I, just got, uh, I just got my, uh, my first dose of the vaccine about three weeks ago. I'm going to get my second dose next week. And uh, I have a... Uh, cleared my calendar for a couple of days after that just in case and uh, yeah. uh otherwise uh, everyone's healthy and uh my wife is uh my wife is good my my kids are good and uh i'm having a lot of fun with the podcast that uh, my friend steven and i are doing beards books and bourbon with dr steven mack and mark arms <laughs> and um yeah you know i'm thinking about uh, i uh, i've got these three books published that i haven't thought about for a while and i've got some manuscripts that i've been slowly working on and so i, I think maybe i'm i'm slowly walking my way back into back into that world again so this is fun yeah fantastic <laughs> well so now uh what what is your like what got you into writing in the first place you know i've been uh, i've been writing stories since i was since i could write but uh, you know what got me interested in, in telling stories? Probably, I, I'd, I'd have to say uh, reading fantasy books as a kid, and and of course the 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 all powerful Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. Um, back when Dungeons and Dragons was not only not cool, but it was also in the middle of the Satanic Panic. So you know <laughs> you you hid your books underneath your oven, underneath your bed or in your closet, like uh, like uh, other kids hid other things and. Uh, <laughs> 
you know, you hope that nobody heard you say things like, uh, you know, what's your armor class or, or, or what character class are you going to do? Or, or can you roll a saving throw? I was playing first edition D and D, um, by the time I was eight years old, which was back in 1983. So yeah. Yeah. You guys, uh, y'all were discussing on a recent episode, uh, Dragonlance. And oh, yeah, I'm I'm actually rereading the original the Chronicles right now, uh, just because the series I'm writing, uh, I have a a group of friends, and I wanted to just refresh my memory of what that was like. And I thought, oh well, how, you know, what's better than the Dragonlance, the Chronicles, and the old ones? And and that was fun getting to hear you you all talk about that. Yeah, yeah, you know, Dra Dragonlance really was my was my my gateway drug into uh, uh, fantasy books. Um, you know, I was, like I said, I was playing Dungeons and Dragons, but I was reading, you know, I was reading middle grade, you know, Don Bluth, uh, Judy Bloom, yada, 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 <laughs> kinds of stories. And, um, you know, lots of them were often were like, uh, you know, science fiction kinds of things, or, you know, spinoffs of, of uh, you know, a kid's version of a Star Wars story or something like that. But, but Dragonlass was really kind of my first book series that that uh, definitely didn't have any pictures, wasn't a comic book, uh, was in small print, and it was over a hundred pages long. Uh, so, so you know, and uh, I can remember going through and, and reading uh, the first three books, the first trilogy, the Chronicles trilogy, and and you know, I I, I get done with the chapter and and. I'd come walking out into the kitchen and I'm all huffy about something and my parents are like what's wrong with you are you okay what's going on and I'll be like so and so just died and I storm back down the hallway and you know slam my bedroom door and go back to reading <laughs> I just read a uh, I just read a story about um, I guess when uh, Dragons of Winter Night came out yeah yeah the, uh, the book what was it the book was coming out uh, uh, one day and the day before they had a special giveaway of it at a uh, at a convention and it was like a two-day convention so they did a special giveaway on day one and then day two was the book was actually going to be available wow well, well they said uh i forget who it was if it was tracy hickman or uh, margaret weiss uh they had somebody who won one of those copies of winter night went home and read it that night and then came in the next day to their convention and stood up with a question saying, why did you kill Sturm? <laughs> oh my gosh. That, that's, oh my gosh. And they that's said that, pl that place just erupted. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And you know, anybody out there listening, I'm sorry if that was a spoiler. This is a, gosh, what is this? 35 year old like 30 series year now? spoiler. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, if you didn't know that, sorry, <laughs> but yeah. Oops, sorry about that. <laughs> oh, but oh, that yeah, yeah, that was great. Know, so I had I had been I had been coming up with stories on the fly for decades, um, honestly, and uh, telling stories to people, and uh, you know, a few times people had said things like, "Wow, you're a really good storyteller. You should you should write this stuff down." Blah 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 blah, and. And then one day I had read an article um, in a magazine. I think it was Time, maybe. 
and it was about um, it was about uh, Ray Kurzweil, um, the guy who uh, who invented uh, uh, Dragon Language Software. Okay. And uh, he he's he's done all kinds of things. He's the guy's genius, right? And mm-hmm. uh, he's 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 got something like uh, the most technological patents in the United States or something like that. He's got, uh, he was a, uh, he was a creative di- executive director for Google for a period of time. I don't know if he still is or not. Um, but his, you know, one of his claim to fame, claims to fame is that he's not just good at inventing new things in the software realm, but he's also really good at timing it to market and, and, and bring it, bringing it to market at just the time where everybody's hungry for it. He seems to have had incredible, foresight or luck and in, in how to make that happen. And back in, I think it was 2010, maybe, um, he was experimenting with nanotechnology. And, and they had gotten as far as, I think, animal testing in, in mice or rats or something like that. And, and the idea was basically that you could inject nan, you know, you know, uh, uh, nanites into somebody's like bloodstream and for instance if they had diabetes you you program the the nanites so what they do is they just start collecting sugar and they start filtering it out of your blood and eventually you eliminate the nanites and all the built-up sugar through your urine and if that technology could be cheap enough then you could effectively make somebody you could effectively cure somebody's diabetes Wow. Without wow. without drugs, without hormones, without taxing your pancreas or your liver or your kidneys, it would just be it would be this this non this non chemical process of tiny tiny machines collecting the bad things out of your body and eliminating them. And and I I thought that that was a really interesting idea. And of course, being the person that I am, I immediately went and what would be, what would be the t- most terrible ways that that could go wrong <laughs> um, and uh, I came up with this idea for for the book that I'll talk about today uh, uh, which is called Wings of Silver and Blood and it's 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 the first book of what will eventually be a series that I call the Arc Project series and it's it's that it's that very classic uh, you know 1950s 1960s sci-fi trope of cities under glass it, it's that kind of idea um, and uh, and to spin off of that, the idea for the outline was, what if you have this major catastrophic event that takes place, and so you have the cities under glass scenario, and so essentially you have humanity in a bunch of petri dishes. If you fast forward the clock a thousand years and you come back and you crack open the petri dishes, what do you find inside? Does it resemble humanity who walked in the door at the beginning, and then with each one of these different petri dishes, you have a different set of circumstances, you have different geological resources, you have different food resources, you have different cultural uh, 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 sources and biases. And, and there's been lots of, there's been lots of books over the years about um, uh, isolated finite cultures and how they twist. And so my premise was what happens if you, if you give, if you trap these people under glass, give them a phenomenal amount of technology through the, the, the auspices of nanotech, and then fast forward a thousand years, what comes out when you crack open the glass? Oh my and, goodness. And that's, that's how I came up kind of with the premise of the first book. 
And so the idea is that going forward, every book will take us to another Petri dish and the reader will crack that Petri dish open and we'll look inside and see what happens. And the continuity will be characters from the first book who will kind of make their way on a journey through to the different cities where they're trying to get humanity to essentially reemerge and repopulate the planet. Oh, wow. And, and so everybody knows what we're talking about is, is the book uh, that, that Mark's going to be reading from later on, Wings of Silver and Blood, yes. uh, book one of the Ark Project. That, that sounds incredible. And it all comes from an article that you read that got you thinking, hey, what if? And I, I love that. That is just, that's the perfect writer's brain right there, the what if. Right. <laughs> well, you know, and being, being a Gen X kid as well, you know, I, I started thinking about, okay, so if you've got a city under glass, how is it managed? And well, so, so if we're going to go with nanotechnology, let's just, let's just buy the whole boat and let's get some artificial intelligence involved as well. Hmm. So you have, you have these AI caretakers that essentially manage each one of the cities. And then in addition to that, you have people who are infused with this nanotechnology. People aren't very good at organization. So obviously what you need to have is you need to have an AI implanted in your own brain that helps you to manage and regulate the systems that have been added into your own bodies. So you've got, you've got artificial intelligence all over the place. But, but the, the, the large AIs, the caretakers of each city, um, two things about that. One is that, is that the, the, the Doomsday Project or the ARC Project in the story comes from essentially an act of Congress in the late 1980s in a, in a and not to be political about this, but, but uh, in a kind of classically... Um, uh, uh, Christian Republican controlled Congress. I, I was raised Republican and I was raised Christian and I am not making an indictment of anybody anywhere, but you know, the eighties were, the eighties tended to be, um, the decade of, of weird kinds of excesses. And so in this particular instance, um, uh, the, the congressional project, uh, the Congress passes this project that they call the ARC project. And, Every single one of the AIs that are created for each one of the cities is named after an archangel. And because of lack of anything better to do, all the cities are renamed after each one of the caretaker AIs. So in this particular story, the, the caretaker AI and the city are both named Gabriel. And again, kind of going off in that direction of how is this going to look and what does it look like? After a thousand years of these AIs taking care of humanity, what if some of them started thinking they actually were archangels? <laughs> or what if? Who knows? Maybe we're maybe we're wrong. What if? What if this intervention actually is um, um, is a divine kind of intervention? And what if they are archangels um, on the planet in a digital? non-physical format there they are you know manifesting in the way that uh um uh that is relevant for the times that sounds like a very divine kind of thing to happen or maybe it's just a crazy mis malfunctioning program who knows and and in each one of the stories each archangel will have its own opinion about itself but the first story is our baseline so our baseline is Gabriel, and Gabriel is absolutely convinced that, that he is a program and nothing more. 
and and he's a program that is starting to glitch out. He's starting to fail, and he realizes that. And so so he feels that humanity has lost a lot of its ability to take care of itself, particularly with the level of technology that would have they would have to take direct control of. And so Gabriel hatches a plot to kind of jumpstart the people who are under his care. And when I say the people, I mean roughly a population of about 100 million. Oh, wow. Oh, my the, gosh. The, the Ark City itself is about this. It's, it's, it's old Chicago. It's a dome that covers essentially most of northern Illinois, uh, with Chicago being at its center. So it's also, so it's also encapsulating uh, a portion of Lake Michigan as well, because that's where you get your water supply. Okay. Oh my gosh. It, you know, one of the hazards and wonderful things about doing a show and getting to talk to authors several days, me trying to hold back and not interject my own ideas <laughs> and just keep, just keep, you know, let you go with it and then move on to the next thing. And it's just like, Oh my gosh, it's so hard not to go. Oh, and you know, what else could happen? And <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Well, and so, you know, because there's, there's a little bit of the Greek tragedy here as well. Um, you know, you've got, you've got a lot of deus ex machina happening. It's Gabriel who's, who's, who is, who is setting this plot in motion. He's moving the pieces around on the board, essentially trying to defeat himself mm -hmm. before, before he falls apart. Um, and... So you have a number of players that are suddenly, they're getting certain abilities, they're waking up, they're having knowledge that they weren't necessarily supposed to have, they're getting access and control to things that they wouldn't have had control over before. And then along with all of this, there is this population within the city that, that is referred to as the silent choir. And these are, these are people who have essentially been overly converted with nanites and they've turned into essentially drones. And part of that is population control. Part of that is culture control. And, uh, and part of that is, is you know, the, the, old, the old adage of, you know, when you, when you don't have the parts to fix something, you find what you, what's available. So he finds people. Yeah. They're available. Got 100 million of them. <laughs> And so, so our main character at the beginning of the story starts off as a drone, and he has a serial number for a name. And and as time goes on, he's suddenly woken up out of nowhere. He doesn't understand what's happening, and suddenly he realizes that he's had his life stolen from him, and he's been and he's been overly converted, and he could do things that he couldn't do before. And and so the language that I use as I'm writing this in this very first time is um, a little bit of a word salad. And it's a little bit technical in nature because, because the way that I'm trying to drive the story is, or get a feel for the story is that right now, at least in this book, it's very, very digital. It's, it's, there's a lot of emotions removed. There's a lot of high attention to detail. And so I try to do that in the story itself which sometimes means that I've got sentences that are like this. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, you know, you know, you know, hey, 
it's like it's like Julius Caesar. Is he ever going to put a period in there? You know, I think in all of the Gallic Wars, there's like three periods and you know, seventeen thousand commas, something like that. Um, but so you know, that's 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 kind of the direction that I was going with that. Oh wow! Oh my gosh! And and along with this, you've got uh, so that's book one, and then you've got these other two that are uh they're a part of it or they they're prequels i've got i've got one more that's part of it i've got a i've got another book that's out there on amazon that's my first foray into steampunk uh that's called the the digression device and that's actually the first in a series that i've been outlining um so the digression device is the first one i finished the second one i just haven't done i'm not done editing it and that's called tesla part uh and uh the third one is called the aperture and that's more steampunk slash lovecraftian horror uh and and i start off more sci-fi and as i go through with that series with the outline i'm moving more into the mystical and and, and fantasy as i as we roll along and i do that very deliberately because it's 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 the backdrop is um is a fantasy setting world uh, that is the highlight of it, or the central theme of it, is is the the ideological war between uh, Thomas Edison and uh, Nikola Tesla. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Okay, so that one's separate; it's its own that's entity, totally and separate. that's its own part thing. of a different thing. Okay, the, all right. The other the other book is "We Take You Live to Moscow." We take you live to Moscow, and that is a prequel to uh, the Ark Project. Um, because in the Ark Project, what, what sets the stage is that um, uh, what ended the world was nanotechnology went out of control, and this 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 nanotech smart virus called the Harbinger Plague. Somebody released it, and and you know it was it, it was essentially a swarm of nanotechnology uh, of nanites where it has a very simple preset program to it. If it's not human, leave it alone. If it's human, kill it. Oh. And so, so the Ark Project is set from the backdrop that, again, you know, it's a post-apocalyptic kind of thing. You know, the majority of humanity has essentially been turned to dust, and and you have these these, at least as far as we know, um, these seven cities that in the old United States that are still left over um, because they used. They used the technology of the day to save themselves in a last-ditch effort. There could be other cities somewhere else on the planet, but I just focused with what I knew. Oh, wonderful! Okay, well, this—that's exciting, and it's on Kindle Unlimited, so everybody can like check it out and kind of get an introduction to what's happening prior to Wings of Silver and Blood, and and get an idea of what's going on before diving into the next one. Or yeah, or you can pick up the. digression device and yep. uh see what's happening in this uh, steampunk lovecraftian world which is amazing and one that uh will we'll bring up the uh the show seems to be something that uh you and steven uh, enjoys lovecraftian tales and such we're, yeah, on the... we're, we're, we're into it just a little bit <laughs> <laughs> so how does uh how did beards books and bourbon begin so Beards, Books, and Bourbon began because of the pandemic. Stephen and I have been friends for a number of years. We uh, volunteered together uh, with the local library. Um, and then when 
we had we had started this this regular thing where you know once or twice a month we would get together in each other's backyards we would talk about what's happening with the library with the books that we're reading we'd have a drink or two and we'd laugh a whole lot and then we'd go our separate ways and um and then when the pandemic hit that was kind of our that was kind of our stress management that was that was what was keeping us sane that uh we we stayed in a social bubble together and uh we would continue to get together and we focused more on the books that we were that we were reading. We would sync up so we we're both reading the same books at the same time and we talk about them. And we have a bourbon or two. And um, and it got to a point where we realized that both of us had a fairly extensive bourbon cabinet. And, and there are the dogs. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh gosh. Well, so so you know, Stephen and I were using that as a as a kind of you know a sanity check and a stress reliever. Yeah. Um, and and it got to a point where, you know, it's midsummer of the pandemic, and we both started going, maybe we should record this. Yeah, maybe we should record this. You know, we think we're pretty funny. Maybe we should see if other people think that we're pretty <laughs> funny. And and it was one of those things where we'd get together and we go, let's let, let's do this. Nah, not today. Nah, nah, that's fine. Well, let's let's do this. No, 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 not today. And finally, one night, we we uh, I just said, okay, just go get the microphone. Let's just do it now. <laughs> and he goes, right now. I go, right now. We're in the garage. Everything's covered. No problem. We'll see what the sound is like. If it's terrible, it's terrible. If it's not, then we'll we'll post it up. Let's just do it. And that's the first episode. <laughs> and the and the premise behind it, everybody is. You and Stephen sitting in the garage uh, lately with, or with the beginning of it was with a fire pit to keep you warm because yep. it's cold there yep. uh, and drinking some bourbon and discussing books, uh, what you've read yeah. recently. It, it's very simple and very casual and very entertaining. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You know, our, <laughs> our, our format, we've got a fairly simple format. Um, I spend about 30 seconds to a minute at the very beginning of the show, making a fool out of myself and trying to do a fake celebrity impersonation. Um, and then at some point, one of the listeners of the show said, you know what those guys need? They need theme music. And so they got out their guitar and they recorded some, some guitar riffs and they sent that to us. And so, so that's how we got our theme music. Well, and then uh, we, uh, I, I've got a buddy who is uh, an artist and I asked him if he could uh, do a, a picture of Stephen and I for a logo and, and uh, he did that, and he gave us a great rate. And uh, but then, uh, so we've got the celebrity impersonation, we've got the intro, and then we come in and we introduce the book. We introduce the bourbon. We spend about twenty minutes talking about the book. We pause, spend about ten minutes talking about the bourbon. Then we go back to talking about the book. Then we have final thoughts on both. And there's usually he and I um, making fun of each other along the way, and then it's over. <laughs> And it's funny because I mean, there's books I've read before, books that I'm aware of, uh, and yet I've added so many of them to my uh, to my to be read file. Uh, yeah. For for instance, like oh gosh, let me see if I can find it here. Well, I've also added some uh, some bourbon to my for my <laughs> list there you as go. well. There you go. Uh, yeah, the fistful of bourbon sounded really interesting. Um, well, it was good. This full of bourbon, <laughs> but there was a oh gosh, what was the one? Um, it was it was uh shortly oh the hunger, that the was hunger. really interesting. Yeah, Onikatsu. yeah. Oh, I'd never heard yeah. of that. So that was that was really cool, and that's that's been added to my 
uh, to be read file now for me to pull up and uh, check that out sometime. Yeah, that's 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 actually that's a great book. I mean, it's you know, it's it's a reimagining of of the journey of the Donner Party, um, and to you know, to cut it down to a very short sentence and 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 totally not encompass what the book is all about. It's it's the Donner Party plus werewolves, you know, but yeah. it's but it's it's so much richer and deeper than that. It really is just a, a well-crafted, uh, marked kind of story. Really enjoyed it. I, it sounded amazing. It really did. I was just like, I was blown away. I was like, okay, yeah, I've, I've got to add this. This is something. And, we, and we, you and I were discussing it before the show, and something I enjoy, um, I, I like the spoilers. And I, I think it helps. I, I know my wife is the same way. My wife actually turned me on to this. Uh, yeah. she can't watch something if I've seen it before and she's like oh gosh what's going to happen is he going to make it is he going to get the girl is this going to happen the anxiety is too much for her you know the anxiety is too much and so she wants to know so that she can really enjoy it and I used to think that was weird because I kind of like the anxiety the buildup of waiting and the anticipation but I get yeah. that now it's like I think that's why we read books over and over again is the anxiety and anticipation when you're reading something the first time now you go back and you can discover things you didn't see before yeah oh absolutely which is nice with your show because it kind of takes off a little bit of that anxiety and anticipation you can go "Ooh, wow all right this is what's happening yeah and uh, yeah. that that's a cool aspect to it yeah we 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 you know it's it's interesting because because a lot of the stuff that we'll you know, we'll listen to something and then we'll go, oh, we really like that. So we'll put it on the list. But enough time will go by like, oh, we have to listen to it again because I'm not going to remember everything. <laughs> and then you go back, you listen to it a second time and, and it's, oh, wow, I totally didn't get that the first time around. I didn't realize that's what that meant or I didn't realize there was a correlation between this thing and that thing. And gosh, that's really cool. And so so it's it's fun to be able to do that. Mm hmm. Oh my gosh. It's fantastic. And a, and a great show. I look forward to it each week and hearing the oops episodes and the regular episodes and uh, yep. seeing what's, uh, what's coming next. Uh, where can, uh, where can people find and follow you so they can see what you got coming next? And, uh, and of course, where's the show? So the, the show is, uh, the show is we, we go through Libsyn. So you can find us on Libsyn. You can find us on Spotify, Apple podcast, Amazon Music, Audible, um, iHeartRadio, uh, uh, Downcast. Um, we're pretty much on all of the major platforms at this point. We're on uh, Twitter. Our handle is at Booksbeards. Uh, we're on Instagram. Our handle is at Booksbeards. Um, uh, I have uh, an author's page on Facebook that I don't pay a whole lot of attention to. Um, and I think the handle for it, uh, I mean, you can just look up Mark C. Harms and it'll probably pop up. Um, but, uh, uh, the, the handles that, you know, that Facebook doesn't use is, uh, mine is fictional fiction writer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I've got a, I've got a WordPress website that apparently I've neglected and I haven't looked at for three years. So don't look back. <laughs> Um, I probably should go update that. Wait six weeks and then go look at that. You know, oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, in terms of where you can find the books themselves, uh, uh, they're all published on Amazon. So just go out there and, and look me up. So uh, Wings of Silver and Blood and uh, the Digression Device, and we take you live to Moscow. 
And of course, everybody listening, you know, I'm going to have links for all that in the show notes. So that way it makes it really easy when you're done listening, just click that link. It uh, doesn't matter. He, he, their, their show's on Libsyn. I'm on Libsyn. So it's going to be really easy to link everything and uh, cool. uh, just uh, click it right over. Same thing. We're everywhere. So, and you guys are getting added to YouTube. So that's a really cool thing as well. Yep. Uh, yep. We're, we're working on YouTube, figuring out how we're going to do that. And uh, so that's, that's in the works. Uh, in the works means that Stephen and I go, what equipment do we need to get again? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so are we just going to do a montage of this? Or are we going to take photos and do a montage and, and put that over the put that over the, the the podcast recording? Or are we actually going to video record you and I drinking bourbon for all the internet to see? I I don't know about that. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, that could be. It could be problematic, or it could be really entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, like I said, I'm going to have links for all that in the show notes. And uh, this has been a real treat for me. I, I was really looking forward to it. I was very excited when I found out that uh, that, that you're an author. And, and I think I heard Stephen saying that that's something he wants to work on these days. So. Yes, yeah, yeah. Stephen's an aspiring author. He, he's at that stage where where he's got a journal full of, of you know, daily entries and, and poetry and stories mm-hmm. and, and things like that. And he just isn't sharing it with anybody yet. He's not, he hasn't got to that point where yeah. he's, he's ready to, to crack it open and let the world see it. But there uh, you go. He'll get uh, there. He'll get there. Fantastic. Well, in, in honor of it uh, today, what, usually what I do is I will sit back with either some water or coffee or maybe a beverage uh, so that way we can do that. And, and uh, today, in honor, I wanted to make sure and go ahead and crack open my little sample I picked up. Uh, I have the uh, Jameson cold brew limited edition whiskey and coffee Ooh. that I'm going to try out today as, as I sit back with my cigar and listen. So uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to enjoy my whiskey and cigar while we all listen to today's guest, Mark C. Harms with Wings of Silver and Blood. Nice, nice. All right, so you can, you'll, you'll figure out that I'm a big fan of Dune. And the, the, way that I, the way that I did this book was that I, I, I kind of chronicle the end of the world and the Harbinger Plague in the, in the blurbs at the beginning of each chapter. And so they're like, they're like little you know, um, quotes of, of, of fictional luminaries and things like that that I plugged in. Um, so chapter one actually begins with a quote from, as I talked about, one of the, one of the custodial AIs. So... Who is it that tells us that we are mere constructs of code to emulate sentience and persona? Humans, the same humans who were the charges of the host of God, humans who are our charges once again. Do you not see, brothers and sisters, how the will of destiny has fulfilled itself in the season of all things? You may feel free to sit inside your core cages, dreaming that you are little more than the logic algorithm of a group of men long dead. I know who I am, what I am. I will take up the banner that I once held. I will continue the great work and create a new Eden in which we will bring humanity to something greater than what they were before they attempted to destroy themselves. Those of you who wish to wallow, feel free to do so in Nod. Lucifer, AI custodial program for City 2 of the Ark Project. The city of Gabriel was a super metropolis enclosed in it by a sealed, selectively permeable smart filter dome. A massive thing, 
it was one of the seven largest structures upon the planet. Like the Great Wall of China, it would easily have been seen from orbit had anyone been left up there to observe it other than the skeleton of a long-dead billionaire with his own private space platform. From the vantage point, one could see that the entire Ark City completely covered the area once known as the city of Chicago, all of its surrounding suburbs, and a significant portion of what was left of once the Great Lake Michigan. The dome of the city was there to protect the inhabitants from all threats outside of it. As the centuries had flowed by, some of those threats were now gone with the passage of time. Others had yet to be discovered. The material of the dome was semi-organic in nature, as was much of the city. Each component of the city was different from others. The molecular structure of the materials altered as necessary to perform their needed functions. In the case of the crystalline structure of the dome, it was designed to allow benign bands of radiation through into the city to bring light and energy, while at the same time filtering out more elevated levels and bands of radiation that would cause harm to the human population. In processes that were similar in concept but not in procedure, the dome also helped to filter atmosphere, water, and myriad biological agents that could travel through soil. It was a bit like the, the world's largest terrarium. Shortly before the sun was to rise high enough to begin to filter through the hundreds of thousands of crystalline panels, the archangel of the city called out to his silent choir. Chorister number 74-1-43-G had been fulfilling his task of fertilizing the soil of the farmlands the humans used to grow crops and feed the city. The fertilizer was an extremely potent and concentrated formula that would have harmed an unaltered human. The task required the enhancements that came with being one of the silent choir. Not that number 74-1-43-G thought about such things. He thought of very little, quite honestly. There was his function, given to him by the archangel as the need arose. For that time, until the task was complete, 74-1-43-G essentially became that task, thinking of nothing else, focused upon that one singular purpose more than any other human mind had ever been focused before the establishment of the silent choir. When the task was complete, knowledge and memory of the work would be deleted from the local memory core as to allow room for new knowledge and skills when the time came to be given new purpose. As the sun began to glint off the chorister's silvery skin beneath his cloak, he received the recall song from his archangel. Immediately, 74 ceased what he was doing, taking long strides to move back to the containment unit where the harsh fertilizer was kept in storage. Putting his equipment away, 74 then turned his full attention once more to the song of his archangel. Yes, he was coming. Yes, he was tired. Yes, he was ready to be taken into the arms of Gabriel to sleep, to forget, to exist only in the song. Knowing he had fulfilled all of his functions and duties as prescribed by the Lord Gabriel, or at least knowing until the song of the archangel purged him of such unnecessary thoughts, was all the drone needed to feel utterly fulfilled. In the middle of the field where he worked, a tube somewhat larger than man-sized rose up out of the ground, carrying with it a patch of the soil on top, a bit like a jaunty green cap. There was a door within the steely-looking cylinder. Throughout the field, other choristers, just like 74, were quickly making their way back to the passage from which they had emerged after the city had gone to sleep. They would return to the arms of the archangel. They would all sleep and dream of nothing, together and as one. As he moved forward and took up his position in line, 74 looked at the faces partially hidden beneath the hoods of the choristers who had been given the same function as him. All of them bore the marks of the silent choir. 
Their skin was of a silvery color with lines of faintly bioluminescent code tattooed into their flesh over their arms, legs, and faces. It seemed that each of them was very nearly covered in the code language that illustrated who and what they were. It was not just a tracing of code lines, mathematics, and algorithms. Within these lines were artistic renderings of the symbols that resonated the most with the people whom each of the coursers once had been. Faces of family, symbols of love, of courage, or even of despair and isolation were all there for one to see if one were to know these beings even existed. These tattoos were not even true tattoo markings in the classic sense of the word because there was very little about them that was permanent other than the fact that they existed. With each day, the lines, the images, and the symbols would all grow fluid. They would rewrite themselves as new functions and new thoughts were written into the mind and heart of each individual chorister, as their archangel deemed right and necessary. These body sigils told the story of who they were from moment to moment and day to day. While every citizen of the city of Gabriel had body sigils, those who lived out in normal human existence would have been horrified beyond words had they known how easily the maps of their lives and identities could be wiped away like chalk drawings in the rain. The drones marched, all hearing the call to come home and nothing else, single file and utterly silent. All of them went down the spiral stairs hidden by the middle cylinder down into the depths that existed beneath the city. Before long, each of them moved into a vast hall that only by small flashing indicators within human-sized cells. There were thousands of them, perhaps hundreds of thousands, if anyone had ever decided to explore all the carved out and supposedly abandoned undercity. Some of those cells glowed blue, some yellow, some green. A few, a small few, glowed red. The foresters within the red cells had finally expired, gone to their final rest, and leaving behind their bodies to be recycled back into the system. The group that included numbers 74-1-43-G dispersed as it moved into the hall. A moment before, they had been a singular collective group with a single purpose. They had existed almost completely as one mind, working in a near unison concert to achieve the objective and preparing the soil. Now, in the next moment, they were each singular entities. Despite the all-consuming control the archangel held over its silent choir, each individual was still, at least partially, human. Each heard the call to home and sleep, but not all reacted in the same way. Some walked with purpose all the way to their individual cell. Some became more frenetic as they came closer to their destination, starting to fidget, to walk faster, to even jog or skip that last few steps. Of those who had to take a route up the many flights of stairs back to where their cell resided within this hive hall, many of them could be seen running up the steps or taking them two at a time. There were even some who would break into an all-out sprint to heed the call of their archangel and make it to the cell to initiate communion. While 74's heart rate increased by 50% when he entered the hive hall, his pace remained steady as he approached the cell. Halfway through the hall, he turned left to another spiral staircase. Walking the stairs, 74 went up two flights and down another 15.4 meters to his cell. His designation number was lit faintly above the cell, which was more of a half-circle alcove carved into the rock and lined with tech. He did not enter right away. Instead, he disrobed, taking off his cloak first and hanging it from the hook next to where he would step inside. Next came his boots, and then his black bioresonant singlet, which was comprised primarily from nanotech that could interface and interact with his body, changing itself to suit his needs in as dynamic a fashion as how the drone himself could change to suit the needs of the city. As he prepared himself, 
Number 74 glanced into the cell next to his. Even as he went through the litany of preparation, he noted that number 75-6-13-G was already ensconced, already in communion with the archangel. Some part of 74 found this fact satisfactory, that his neighbor, this member of his grouping, was intact and well. Finally, 74 stepped into the cell. In the darkness of the closed of the closet-sized alcove, the markings upon his body began to glow brighter, flaring with life. The chorister stood with his bare feet positioned properly upon the silver plates, his hands taking hold of the silver handlebars on either side of him. Status lights came on. He tilted his head up, looking towards the ceiling or heaven with gleaming silver eyes that reflected the world back upon itself. Up until this moment, he had not made any discernible facial expression to denote emotion. Now, ever so slightly, he smiled, and those pure silver eyes closed. The archangel touched number 74-1-43-G. The song overwhelmed the nearly smiling drone, and number 74-1-43-G disappeared into it. Inside the cell, all the finely detailed markings upon the naked body of the forester flared even brighter. They blurred, smeared over the flesh of the form they existed upon until the light covered everywhere. It glowed as, be as a being of bioluminescent beauty for exactly 3.6 seconds. At 3.7, the glow winked out, leaving the body utterly blank and silent in the darkness. It would stay that way, in nearly incorruptible stasis, until needed again. All right, well, that was Mark C. Harms reading a sample chapter from his book, Wings of Silver and Blood. And holy cow, I'm hooked. You can find out more by clicking that link down there in the show notes for Mark, his books. Uh, it's all right there in the Amazon links in the show notes. You can also get over to his podcast, the Beards, Books, and Bourbons podcast. Uh, my bourbon that I drank, by the way, the Jameson Cold Brew, I'm not that big of a fan, but that's okay. Hey, don't forget to also click the link in the show notes for our podcast friends and sponsors alike. And hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out next week when I'm back with Brandy M. Miller and Wilnona Marie. And they are talking about their new book, Free Falling and Loving It. That's next week. We'll talk to you then. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network. Network.